This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of radial head and neck fractures from the pediatric section on orthobullets.com. Radial neck fractures in children are a relatively common traumatic injury that usually affects the radial neck, specifically the metaphysis, in children 9 to 10 years of age. Treatment depends on the degree of angulation and is surgical if angulation remains greater than 30 degrees after close reduction is attempted. The median age of these injuries is 9 to 10 years old. There is no difference in incidence between the sexes. Radial head and neck fractures make up 5 to 10% of all pediatric elbow fractures and 1% of pediatric fractures overall. Again, radial head and neck fractures make up 5 to 10% of all pediatric elbow fractures and 1% of pediatric fractures overall. The mechanism of these injuries is usually associated with an extension and valgus loading injury of the elbow. Again, the mechanism of radial head and neck fractures is usually associated with an extension and valgus loading injury of the elbow. Another mechanism can be an elbow dislocation. Associated conditions with radial head and neck fractures include elbow dislocations, olecranon fractures, medial epicondyle fractures, and forearm compartment syndrome. As far as outcomes of these injuries, keep in mind that there are worse outcomes seen in patients greater than 10 years of age. Now let's go over some relevant anatomy. It's important to know that there are six ossification centers around the elbow, and the age of ossification is variable, but occurs in the following order, capitellum, radius, internal or medial epicondyle, trochlea, olecranon, and external or lateral epicondyle. Remember the mnemonic crito or cum rub my tree of love. So again, the C stands for capitellum, which ossifies at one year. R stands for radius, which ossifies at three years. The I stands for internal or medial epicondyle, which ossifies at five years. The T stands for trochlea, which ossifies at seven years. The O stands for olecranon, which ossifies at nine years. And the E stands for external or lateral epicondyle, which ossifies at 11 years. Remember, the ossification center of the radial head appears between three and five years of age. This ossification center may be bipartite. And remember that the radial head fuses with the radial shaft between ages 16 and 18. As far as the classification of radial head and neck fractures, the ones to know include the O'Brien classification, the Jude classification, and the Chambers classification, which is rarely used. The O'Brien classification is subdivided into three types. Type 1 is less than 30 degrees of angulation, type 2 is 30 to 60 degrees of angulation, and type 3 is greater than 60 degrees of angulation. The Jude classification is subdivided into four types. Type 1 is undisplaced, Type 2 is less than 30 degrees angulated, type 3 is 30 to 60 degrees angulated, and type 4 is subdivided into two subtypes, type 4A and type 4B. Type 4A corresponds to 60 to 80 degrees of angulation, and type 4B corresponds to more than 80 degrees of angulation. The Chambers classification, again, is rarely used, but is subdivided into three groups. Group 1 is primary displacement of the radial head, which is most common. Group 2 is primary displacement of the radial neck, and group 3 is a stress injury. As far as the presentation of radial head and neck fractures, patients typically have symptoms of elbow pain and refuse to move. Physical exam may show lateral swelling on inspection, as well as pain exacerbated by motion, especially supination and pronation. You must have a high suspicion for forearm compartment syndrome. Again, you must have a high suspicion for forearm compartment syndrome in these patients. You may also find that pain may be referred to the wrist in these patients. 
As far as imaging, recommended views on radiographs include an AP and a lateral of the elbow. You should also obtain a radio capitellar or a green span view, which is an oblique lateral performed by placing the arm on the radiographic table with the elbow flexed 90 degrees and the thumb pointing upward. The beam is then directed 45 degrees proximally. As far as findings on radiographs, non-displaced fractures may be difficult to visualize. Make sure to look for fad pad signs. The anterior fad pad may be normal, but a posterior fad pad sign should be treated as an occult fracture. A portion of the radial neck is extra articular, and therefore an effusion and fad pad signs may be absent. Again, a portion of the radial neck is extra articular, and therefore an effusion and fad pad signs may be absent. Treatment of radial head and neck fractures can be non-operative or operative. Non-operative management can involve immobilization alone or close reduction and immobilization. Immobilization alone is indicated for less than 30 degrees of angulation and less than 3 millimeters of translation. The technique involves immobilizing in a long arm cast or a splint without reduction. As far as follow-up, patients should be immobilized for 7 days followed by early range of motion. Close reduction and immobilization is indicated when there is greater than 30 degrees of angulation, so close reduction should be followed by immobilization in a long arm cast or splint if an adequate reduction is achieved. Operative options include closed percutaneous reduction or an open reduction. Closed percutaneous reduction is indicated when there is greater than 30 degrees of residual angulation following closed reduction, 3 to 4 millimeters of translation, and or less than 45 degrees of pronation and supination. As far as outcomes of closed percutaneous reduction, there are improved outcomes with younger patients with a lesser degree of angulation and isolated radial neck fractures. Open reduction is indicated for fractures that cannot be adequately reduced to less than 45 degrees angulation with closed or percutaneous methods. As far as outcomes, open reduction has been associated with a greater loss of motion, increased rates of osteonecrosis, and synostosis compared with closed reduction. Keep in mind that this is controversial as higher rates of open reduction are also seen with worse fractures. Now let's go over some of these techniques in a bit more detail, specifically closed reduction, closed reduction and percutaneous pinning, and open reduction. Closed reduction techniques include the Patterson maneuver, the Israeli or Kaufman technique, the Nihar and Torch technique, and the elastic bandage technique. In the Patterson maneuver, you will hold the elbow in extension and apply distal traction with the forearm supinated and pull the forearm into varus while applying direct pressure over the radial head. In the Israeli or Kaufman technique, you will pronate the supinated forearm while the elbow is flexed to 90 degrees and then direct pressure stabilizes the radial head. In the Nihar and Torch technique, the elbow is held in extension and supination with the assistant pushing laterally on the radial shaft and the surgeon pushing medially on the radial head. And finally, in the elastic bandage technique, tight application of an elastic bandage or an S-mark will begin at the wrist continuing over the forearm and the elbow, which may lead to spontaneous reduction. As far as closed reduction and percutaneous pinning, the reduction technique can be with a K-wire joystick technique or a Matesiao technique. In the K-wire joystick technique, there's a push technique and a lever technique. In a push technique, the blunt end of a large K-wire is pushed against the posterolateral aspect of the proximal fragment and pushed into place. In a lever technique, the K-wire is placed into the fracture site and levered proximally. If the fracture is unstable after reduction, a pin may be placed to maintain reduction. The Matesiao technique involves retrograde insertion of a pin-slash-nail across the fracture site, and the fracture is reduced by rotating the pin-slash-nail. 
The approach for an open reduction is performed with a lateral approach or a coker interval to the radiocapitellar joint. You will pronate to avoid the posterior interosseous nerve. As far as fixation, make sure to avoid transcapitellar pins, and internal fixation should only be used for fractures that are grossly unstable. Some complications to be aware of include decreased range of motion, radial head overgrowth, osteonecrosis, nerve injury, physial arrest, and synostosis. As far as decreased range of motion, keep in mind that loss of pronation is more common than supination. Radial head overgrowth occurs in 20 to 40% of fractures and usually does not affect function. Osteonecrosis usually occurs in 10 to 20% of fractures. The radial head in children is entirely cartilage and the blood supply is primarily from the metaphysis and up to 70% of cases occur with open reduction. Again, up to 70% of cases of osteonecrosis occur with open reduction. As far as nerve injury, keep in mind that the posterior interosseous nerve, or PIN, may be injured. The complication of physeal arrest may lead to cubitus valgus deformity. And finally, synostosis is the most serious complication and occurs in cases of open reduction with extensive dissection or delayed treatment. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The first question reads, An 11-year-old male falls from his bike, sustaining a radial neck fracture. He underwent treatment, reducing the fracture using a K-wire as an intramedullary fixation. Which of the following factors is associated with unsuccessful outcomes, such as osteonecrosis or heterotopic ossification, after surgical treatment of these fracture types? And the choices are 1, BMI over 25, 2, age over 10 years, 3, socioeconomic status, 4, surgery to the dominant extremity, and 5, male gender. The correct answer to this question is 2, age over 10 years. So worse outcomes after surgical fixation of radial neck fractures have been demonstrated in individuals over the age of 10. The patient in the question stem sustained a radial neck fracture, often seen with a fall onto an outstretched hand with an extension and valgus moment. Many classifications exist. The O'Brien classification is based on angulation of the superior articular surface from the horizontal. Type 1 have under 30 degrees angulation and are treated with a short period of immobilization followed by range of motion. Type 2 and 3 fractures have displacement over 30 degrees and require closed reduction. If this displacement is not reasonably corrected with closed methods, percutaneous with judicious selection of an open procedure is required. Zimmerman et al. reviewed outcomes after surgical treatment for 151 radial head and neck fractures over a 10-year period in a pediatric population. They found 31% of these patients had unsuccessful outcomes due to either heterotopic ossification, osteonecrosis, premature physeal arrest, neurovascular injury, or radiocapitellar instability. These complications were all correlated with an age over 10 years, more severe fractures, and more invasive procedures. Gutierrez de la Iglesia et al. retrospectively reviewed a series of radial neck fractures over a 16-year period among pediatric patients. The surgical techniques used include casting, percutaneous intramedullary nailing, and open intramedullary nailing. They found no difference in functional outcome between any of the techniques, but did see worse outcomes with more displaced fractures. They concluded that poor outcomes were associated with severe fractures rather than the use of open techniques. Moving on to the next question. A nine-year-old girl trips and falls onto an outstretched hand and sustains a radial neck fracture. Close reduction with adequate sedation under mini C-arm guidance is performed in the emergency room. 
Radiographs following this attempt show a displaced and angulated pediatric radial neck fracture. Residual angulation is 62 degrees. What is the next best step in treatment? And the choices are 1. Early range of motion. 2. Percutaneous reduction with pin fixation as needed. 3. Immobilize in 90 degrees of elbow flexion and neutral forearm rotation. 4. Open reduction and plate fixation. And 5. Open reduction and epiphysiodesis. The correct answer to this question is 2. Percutaneous reduction with pin fixation as needed. So this child has a displaced angulated radial neck fracture. Residual angulation after reduction is greater than 30 degrees. So the next step is percutaneous reduction and pinning. Direct reduction, that is inserting a pin into the head or shaft fragment as a joystick, and indirect reduction, or a metasiao method, using a retrograde intramedullary pin are possible options. Hardware is removed at 8 weeks. Radial neck fractures are Salter-Harris 2 fractures and generally occur after a valgus load in 9 to 10-year-olds. One treatment algorithm suggests the following. 1. Less than 30 degrees of angulation should be immobilized without reduction. 2. In patients with greater than 30 degrees angulation, you should perform a closed reduction. 3. In patients greater than 30 degrees of residual angulation, you should perform a percutaneous reduction and pinning. And 4. Unsuccessful closed or percutaneous reductions should undergo open reduction. Ursay et al. performed a metasiao intramedullary pinning in 20 patients with severely displaced radial neck fractures. In four cases, the procedure was converted to open reduction. They achieved 85% excellent or good results, 5% fair, and 10% poor results with limited range of motion. In two cases, pin reduction of these fractures were unsuccessful, either because of elbow dislocation and radial head entrapment in the joint or soft tissue interposed between the radial head and neck. Metasiao et al. described the original technique. They cautioned that when angulation is greater than 80 degrees, the wire may not reach the epiphysis. They recommend 1. First try and close reduction before introducing the wire, or 2. Using an external pin to directly push against the outer aspect of the epiphysis. The steps of the Metasiao technique are as follows. 1. Drill the cortex 2 centimeters proximal to the physis. 2. Introduce the pin into the medullary canal and drive it into the inferior aspect of the fracture, where the tilt is the greatest. 3. Fix the point of the pin into the epiphysis and elevate it until it is under the lateral condyle. 4. Rotate the pin around its long axis through 180 degrees to shift the radial head medially and reduce it, and the tension produced in the lateral intact periosteum prevents medial overcorrection. Moving on to the next question. A 12-year-old boy falls 8 feet from a tree limb and lands onto his outstretched hand. He complains of elbow pain and a displaced radial neck fracture is noted on radiographs. Close reduction is performed under sedation in the ER. A post-reduction radiograph shows residual angulation greater than 30 degrees. Which of the following actions should be taken? And the choices are 1. Immobilization in a sling until pain subsides. 2. Immobilization in a long-arm cast for 6 weeks to allow for callus formation and subsequent bony remodeling. 3. CT scan to further evaluate the fracture and physis. 4. Open reduction and internal fixation. And 5. Further reduction and percutaneous fixation in the operating room with elastic stable intramedullary nailing. The correct answer to this question is 5. Further reduction and percutaneous fixation in the operating room with elastic stable intramedullary nailing. So the radiograph described in the question stem demonstrates a radial neck fracture with greater than 30 degrees of residual angulation following closed reduction. The next best step in treatment would be a trip to the operating room for closed reduction and percutaneous elastic stable intramedullary nailing or pinning. 
To quickly review, pediatric radial neck fractures account for 5 to 10% of all pediatric elbow fractures. The majority of pediatric radial neck fractures can be treated with close reduction. If angulation following close reduction is less than 30 degrees, a short course of immobilization and early range of motion is indicated. If there is greater than 30 degrees of angulation following attempts at close reduction, percutaneous pinning should follow. If these methods fail and angulation is greater than 45 degrees, open reduction is indicated. Open reduction leads to significantly worse outcomes and should only be reserved for rare instances when the fracture cannot be reduced by closed or percutaneous methods. Taralo et al. reviewed 20 patients with radial neck fractures, 12 treated with percutaneous pinning, and 8 treated with elastic stable intramedullary nailing. They found similar outcome scores in the two groups, but greater range of motion in the elastic stable intramedullary nailing group. They concluded that elastic stable intramedullary nailing was the ideal approach given better range of motion and the absence of complications. Dormans et al. summarizes the evaluation and treatment of radial head and olecranon fractures in pediatric patients, stating that most radial head fractures can be treated with close reduction. As the age of the child increases, the necessity for open reduction also increases. Moving on to the next question. An 8-year-old girl injures her elbow playing soccer. After attempted reduction in the emergency department, radiographs of the elbow show fracture of the radial head and subluxation of the radius anteriorly. What is the next most appropriate step in management? And the choices are 1. Cast immobilization for 2 weeks followed by early range of motion. 2. Minimal treatment for this congenital radial head dislocation. 3. Open reduction and internal fixation. 4. Annular ligament reconstruction. And 5. Attempt a repeat close reduction. The correct answer to this question is 3. Open reduction and internal fixation. So 90% of injuries to the proximal radius in children are radial neck fractures, and 50% of these fractures are through the metaphyseal bone. The remaining 50% are Salter-Harris type 1 or 2 fractures. These radiographs show a fracture of the radial head and subluxation of the radius anteriorly. Most congenital radial head dislocations are posterior lateral. Non-surgical treatment modalities are unlikely to be successful due to the wide displacement of the fracture fragments as well as dislocation of the radial head. Moving on to the next question. A 10-year-old female falls from the swing and lands on her left arm. She complains of left elbow pain. On physical exam, she has pain exacerbated by motion, especially supination and pronation. She is neurovascularly intact. A radiograph demonstrates a physeal radial neck fracture with 45 degrees of angulation. Which of the following is the most appropriate first step in management? And the choices are 1. Short arm cast without reduction. 2. Long arm cast without reduction. 3. Attempt closed reduction, 4. K-wire percutaneous reduction in the operating room, and 5. Open reduction with a lateral approach. The correct answer to this question is 3. Attempt closed reduction. So the radiograph demonstrates a physeal radial neck fracture with 45 degrees of angulation. An attempt of closed reduction should be performed with a goal of less than 30 degrees residual angulation. Most pediatric radial neck fractures can be treated with closed reduction and immobilization, followed by early range of motion at 3 to 7 days. Percutaneous reduction and open reduction should be reserved for failure of closed treatment. Tibone et al. reviewed 33 cases of pediatric radial head and neck fractures. Inferior outcomes were associated with fractures that were treated open, increasing age of children, and those with other associated upper extremity fractures. Many patients with deformity on radiograph reported a good clinical outcome. Steinberg et al. reports 31% poor results in 42 pediatric patients with radial neck fracture. 
primary angulation was the most important prognostic factor. And moving on to the final question. A six-year-old boy has right elbow pain after falling onto an outstretched hand eight hours ago. Radiographs demonstrate a non-displaced pediatric radial neck fracture, as evidenced by a mildly abnormal angular configuration of the lateral aspect of the proximal radial metaphysis. Overnight, he develops increasing pain and swelling in his right forearm. What associated condition is most likely developing in this scenario? And the choices are 1. Extensor pollicis longus rupture. 2. Posterior interosseous nerve neuropraxia. 3. Forearm compartment syndrome. 4. Common extensor origin avulsion and 5, medial collateral ligament rupture. The correct answer to this question is 3, forearm compartment syndrome. So Peters et al. reported on three patients who developed volar compartment syndrome with a radial neck fracture. Important clinical information is that they all fell from a standing height on an outstretched hand, and the compartment syndrome developed 12 to 24 hours after the injury. All had severe pain that was exacerbated by passive flexion and extension of the fingers. All were treated with fasciotomies with good clinical results. The study illustrates the need for a high suspicion of compartment syndrome, even in skeletally immature patients with a minimally displaced fracture of the radial neck. That's all for this review about radial head and neck fractures. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. Keep in mind that this podcast is designed to go along with the topics on orthobullets.com. If you've gotten any value from the OrthoBullets podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow.